I really love the Lord too. And the important thing is that. And we need to remember too that the Lord really loves us. Okay? We're, we get those things confused sometimes too. Uh, and our gospel reading from Mark this morning, our Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy, the New Testament reading from James, even the Psalm, all of these readings this morning talk about all the things that we're supposed to do. And if you read it, it, it can get a little heavy at times because you think about all the times you didn't do that stuff. So we've got to be careful with these parts of the Bible. We've got to look at them carefully and not just see it as a to-do list, but to always keep in mind that yeah, God really loves us too, d- despite how good or bad we keep this to-do list. We have to be careful when we read these passages to make sure that they don't distract us from what we know about the character of God. So we're going to be thinking about all of this today. I- I've titled this sermon, What Salvation Looks Like. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. As you likely know, the city of Philadelphia decided to start school last week, despite the heat, don't get me started. And with the start of school, my mind always goes back to when I was in school. And it seems inevitable that every year I kind of find myself back in a specific classroom remembering a specific lesson. And each year it's a little bit different as fall rolls around what I might be drawn to. But this year, what I was thinking about, and I'm not exactly sure why, but I was thinking about the order of operations from math class. Now, do you, you might not remember this. This is a long time ago for me, a long time ago for a lot of us. But when you're doing complex math problems that have like multiple different uh, operations in it, you have to be careful the order you do the problem. Okay? Now, I didn't actually remember this. I had to look this up. First, you have to do the parentheses, then the exponents, then the multiplication and division, then the addition and subtraction. And if you don't do it in that order, you're going to get the wrong answer. Now, I was actually pretty good at math in high school. And it was, it was probably my best subject for most of my childhood. But I was really bad at the order of operations. I could never keep it straight in my mind. And again, I didn't actually know all of that. I had to look it up um, this morning to refresh my memory and make sure I got it right. But so with school starting, I've been thinking about the order of operations, and it all got me thinking about how sometimes in our faith life, we also get things out of order. We get things out of order theologically, and sometimes that can end us up in the completely wrong place. Our New Testament reading from this morning is from the book of James, and it kind of gets us into this theme of getting things in the right order. Let let me be careful. I'm going to read this to you here this morning. This is from the book of James, and it's real simple and plain. James tells us, he says, Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness. Welcome the implanted word. Be doers of the word and not mere hearers. And he says some other things in that passage, but this is a summation. So we got a nice long checklist, right? 
But wait, there's more if you read the gospel passage from Mark. In the gospel passage from Mark, Jesus says that we need to avoid fornication and theft and murder and adultery and avarice and wickedness and deceit and licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. Long lists of things to do. And so we have this tendency when we see lists like this in the Bible, we think that this is our end of the bargain. We have got to keep these behaviors in line. We get this idea that we have to keep all the rules and avoid all the pitfalls in order for us to be right with God. We've got to go to church every week. And we can't use curse words and we've got to give all our unwanted toys to the Salvation Army if we want God to save us. Then we will receive salvation. Then God will save us when we die and bring us to heaven. But is that really how it works? Is that really what salvation is all about? Is that really what our faith is all about? Following all of the rules now so that we can go somewhere else later. Logically, I guess it actually kind of makes sense. We are taught from a young age that everything has a cost, right? The way the world works is cause and effect. It logically makes sense that if we want God to do something for us, well, then we better do something for God first. But church, listen carefully to what I just said there. If we want God to do something for us, then we're going to need to do something for God first. Again, logically, that might make sense. That's how the world works. But the scriptures tell us that if this is how we think, we're getting the order of operations wrong. What God does for us always comes first. Let me say that again. What God does for us always comes first. We do not work our way up to God in heaven. We don't have to get it all right in order to be all right. God extends mercy and grace and forgiveness to us first. And now I know that probably doesn't sound logical. That's not how we're taught. You don't get something for nothing, pastor. There's got to be a catch. There's got to be some fine print here. But no, God's love and grace comes first. It's given to us, even though we don't deserve it, even though we don't keep all the rules exactly right, even though it doesn't make any sense in our human minds, God's grace comes first because God's wisdom is wiser. And now we've got to be careful because it might sound like I'm saying we just can throw out the book of James and the book of Mark and the Psalm and Deuteronomy. Oh, you don't need to listen to it. No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. We just have to be careful about the order of operations. In fact, James himself reminds us of this in his letter. We read in James chapter 1, verse 17, every generous act of giving is from above. In other words, church, generosity starts with God. It starts with what God has given to us. We don't have to be perfect little Christians in order to earn God's favor and generosity. That's the wrong order. God is generous first, and then those gifts from God set everything else into motion. 
I know that this can be hard to wrap our minds around because as I've said a couple of times already, it just doesn't fit with our world. So, so let me tell you a story. I heard this story about a seminary professor who was getting very frustrated with the class that she was teaching. Okay, the students were misbehaving. They weren't listening. And this was a seminary. These are people who are supposed to be pastors someday and they were not listening in class. And so she finally just got fed up. She was so frustrated with the way things are going that she turned to the class and she said, do you really want to know what faith is all about? Do you want to know? And she drew a big down arrow on the chalkboard and then walked out of the classroom. And the students were stunned. This was a mild-mannered professor. This is, they didn't realize how bad they were being. And they're looking at one another, trying to figure out what the down arrow means. Some students are like, did she just tell us we're all going to hell? And the teacher didn't come back. It wasn't until the next day of class that the teacher walks in. The down arrow still on the chalkboard. And she says, well, did you figure it out? Did you figure it out? And the students, they had nothing to say. She says, the truth of Christianity... The story of our faith is that God always comes down. We never work our way up to God. God always comes down to be with us first. You see, Reformation, God always comes first and God always comes down. That's the first action. That's where everything begins. In the beginning, God above created the heavens and the earth. And then God took the word and made it flesh, and Jesus dwelt among us. Jesus came down from heaven first. We've got to stop thinking that we can work our way up to God. Salvation always comes down to us. It is a generous gift from God above, and it completely changes our life. I've been saying throughout this sermon that it all starts with God. That's the order of operations. It's what God has done for us first. God brings salvation to us first. We don't earn it for ourselves. But if salvation comes from God first, that also means that God isn't going to wait until we die to save us. So often we will think that salvation is just something that happens to us after we die. But the truth is that God wants to save us right now. Now, church, God wants to save you today because your ego and selfishness is destroying you. God knows it. God knows that your grudges and anger are ruining you. God knows that your hatred and hoarding is killing you. And so God sent Jesus to save us from all of this. Jesus wants to save you from all your sinful, self-destructive behavior today. And all you have to do is let him. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what happens first. That's what happens today. But then, because we have been saved, we are changed. We're changed into people who do all of those things that we read about in James and Mark and Deuteronomy and the Psalms. Let me read that list to you again. People who have been saved, I added that part, are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. They rid themselves of sordidness and wickedness. They welcome the implanted word. They are doers of the word, not mere hearers. People who have been saved, I added that, 
are able to avoid fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceitfulness, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, and folly. You see, church, these long lists that we often think are the blueprint to get salvation aren't actually the to-do list. They're a list of what salvation looks like. When the grace of God gets into your heart, when you start to really understand and believe all that God has done from you, you can't help but be transformed by the immense gratitude you feel. Salvation means that you're more gracious than you once were. It means that you're more loving and more forgiving. It means that your heart has become so aligned with the heart of God that you can't help but care for the orphan and the widow. You can't help but share all of your blessings with others. You can't help but live in a way that is more loving and more generous and more joyful. Let this salvation come to you today. Let Jesus take root in your heart like never before. Let the good news of God's freely given grace transform your life. God has come down in order to mold you into a more generous, less selfish, more loving, less hateful, more forgiving, less spiteful version of yourself. That's what salvation looks like, Reformation. It starts with God and what God does for us. And that truly good news of God's grace gets into the very core of who you are. And it changes you inside and out. Thanks be to God for this incredible gift. Amen.